0: for South Carolina's offense this fall. Let's dive into it. And you have to start. New year, new offensive coordinator. A new era of offense begins in Columbia, South Carolina, as Dowell Loggins officially takes over the reins with Marcus Satterfield's departure firing, however you want to label it, a season ago. What will South Carolina get out of Dabble Loggins? What will the offense look like? Are they able to bottle up what they did in the final two, say, three games of the 2022 season? That is the hope. That is the expectation for South Carolina moving forward. Now, admittedly, as you all know, I have not been so subtle about it that I have my questions about Dabble Loggins. We all recall back in, mid to late December when the offensive coordinator search was going down. And, you know, I tell you guys, I I knew that coaching searches moved the needle in college football. I mean, I recall when South Carolina was looking for the next head coach and it felt like every single piece of content was going crazy and every single day on social media was the wild, wild west. But the offensive coordinator search for South Carolina in this cycle was so fascinating because I think folks understand the importance of this hire and why this hire needs to work for Shane Beamer and South Carolina football. I mean, guys, you think about how long it's been since South Carolina has been, I would say even average to slightly above average on the offensive side of the football. It has been since the Steve Spurrier days. And for two years, Gamecock fans sat through the maddening play calling. Of Marcus Satterfield, I mean, he earned the nickname Swing Pass Sat for a reason. I think it was a stat I saw South Carolina led all of college football in passes thrown behind the line of scrimmage. Gamecock fans, we were not over-exaggerating when we talked about how porous the offense was a season ago and how maddening and frustrating it was to watch. Now comes Dabble Loggins. And again, I was vocal about this hire when it took place, and I will continue to be so. By all accounts, by all indications, Shane Beamer got his guy. That's great. That does not eliminate the question marks around this hire. Dabble Loggins, a man who has spent most of his time coaching in the NFL, he was once named one of the worst offensive coordinators, or the worst, offensive coordinator in the NFL. He has never called a play, not just at the SEC level, not just at the Power Five level. He's never called a play at the collegiate level. He did spend two years at Arkansas under Kendall Bryles learning that system. So there was a lot of uncertainty and a lot of question marks around this Dabble Loggins hire, and you really can't argue otherwise. Now, there are reasons to believe that Dabble Loggins will be a massive success, that it will more so even just be addition simply by subtraction. Because, guys, even the most skeptical, even someone like me who has real question marks and concerns, I say to myself, there's no way that Dabble Loggins can be worse than what Marcus Satterford was a season ago. There's no way that Dabble Loggins can handcuff this offense the way that Marcus Satterfield did a season ago. So, just what does it look like? Because here's the thing, guys. I don't think South Carolina is reinventing the wheel offensively. They're not going from the triple option to the air raid, right? This isn't some complete offensive overhaul. It is very clear and very evident. South Carolina wants to do what they did in the last two weeks of last season, which by all accounts was simplified. They went from around 21 or 22 personnel packages to around six or seven. They made things much easier on Spencer Rattler, Juice Wells, that offensive line, that entire offense to just simply go out and make plays. Because in the first 10 games, it looked like a group of guys who were thinking, who were processing. We all saw the the check with me looking over to the sideline, which again was just so
2: frustrating
0: to watch. That is now gone. And Shane Beamer and Dabble Loggins said all of the right things in the press conference, his introductory press conference, when he was brought on as OC. We're going to simplify. We're going to get the ball in the hands of our playmakers. We're going to let them make plays. We're going to get out of their way. We're going to make it as easy as possible. Dabble Loggins addressed every concern that we hoped he would address. Every box was checked. But what do we get on the field? What does it look like? Does it look like the final two games of last year? There's going to be some wrinkles from Dabble Loggins. There's going to be some wrinkles that Beamer and staff had. But the fact of the matter is this. No matter whether you're optimistic on Dabble Loggins or you're pessimistic on Dabble Loggins or you fall somewhere in the middle, the fact of the matter is this. It is a question mark. And it is something that we are really intrigued to see and certainly one of the top storylines for the Gamecocks offense heading into 2023 football season. The big storyline, guys, you move to the quarterback position. And anytime you have your starting quarterback back, I mean, we talked about this last year. Anytime you have a quarterback of the caliber of Spencer Rattler, you have a chance. The question I have, guys, is simply this. And we will dive more in depth, by the way, guys, when we get into our position unit preview series in about a month or so. This is more of your high-level overview of the offense, defense, special teams, et cetera. So when talking on Spencer Rattler, the question is this. Can he show more consistency in 2023? Because we talked about it this morning, guys, with the the Crowded Booth podcast. The upside and the ceiling, I should say, for Spencer Rattler, I mean, it's uncapped, guys. Spencer Rattler, at his best, is one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. So it's not about ability. It's not about talent. It truly comes down to consistency and raising his floor. While I put most of the blame last season on Marcus Satterfield, and the poorest offensive scheme and offensive system. Spencer Rattler did not help his case a lot of times. And we've seen it, even in the Clemson game. I think the Clemson game last season best exemplifies who and what Spencer Rattler is at the quarterback position. He is a gunslinger, and he is a guy to get all of the good he brings. You've got to live with the bad. And you've got to accept that at times, the bad is going to cost you. For Spencer Rattler, it all comes down to limiting the bad. You can't throw an interception in the red zone. You can't do it. You can't throw a pick six. You can't fumble the football. We're going to get into turnovers in a bit. But as you and I both know, Spencer Rattler was wildly, wildly inconsistent a season ago. Which Spencer Rattler do you get? Which Spencer Rattler does South Carolina see more of? Is it the Spencer Rattler from the first 10 games? who was abysmal, or is it the Rattler from the final three who was one of the hottest quarterbacks in college football? Another big storyline, guys. One of the top targets, the top target for Spencer Rattler, Juice Wells, returning as arguably the SEC's top receiver. What type of impact does Juice Wells have in this offense? Because, guys, I think it's going to be felt to an even greater degree than last year because you know, this time last year, it was like, okay, we got this guy from James Madison. What's the impact going to be? He's going from FCS to the SEC. You know, Josh Vance, still the number one guy. You have Jalen Brooks. You have Dak Joyner. You have Amari Brown, Laguette, what have you. You know, what type of impact will Juice Wells have? We'll see. Well, now there is no secret. Juice Wells is the dude. And he is, again, arguably, for my money, the best wide receiver, returning wide receiver in the SEC. So, Start to finish, can Juice Wells? Can he be the guy that we saw him be in the final two weeks of the regular season? He is going to be a matchup nightmare for opposing defenses. He will have an opportunity to start out hot against UNC in a UNC secondary that was not very good last year. Anytime you get a guy like Juice Wells back in your offense, you've gotta feel good guys. We talked about it way back in January. When Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells announced their return, why that was such an impactful decision to get both of those guys back. And, guys, I've talked about my top ten Gamecocks going into the season. Juice Wells, for me, is number one. He is that good of a football player. Does he eclipse the 1,000-yard mark? Does he go even further than that? Does he continue to solidify himself as one of, if not the best wide receiver in the SEC? Now, the big storyline, guys, going into kickoff for the Gamecocks offense How does the running back room shake out? We dropped our projected offense starting 11, if you will, this morning. I have DiCabrian Joyner starting game one against North Carolina. And it's interesting to see the mixed reviews, mixed replies on that, by the way. Some people are like, yeah, that's awesome, Dax the man. Other people are like, wow, running back is in a bad spot. What comes of it? I mean, just simply put, guys, what comes of the running back room? Who steps up? You've got Juju McDowell back. DeCabrion Joyner slides over. You got Mario Anderson, a Division II transfer. And you got Dontavius Braswell, a true freshman. I mean, outside of that, you've got Nathan Harris Wainick, who's a walk on. DJ Twitty, right? I'm, I'm forgetting some names here. DJ Twitty, I believe, from East Tennessee State. Turbo Miller from Columbia, if you will. Can they make some sort of impact? But I think the four guys you should be focusing on are Dak Joyner, Juju McDowell, Dontavius Braswell, and Mario Anderson. Simply put, guys, the Gamecocks did not pick up the game-changing ball carrier we thought they would in the transfer They They didn't pick up that proven power five guy. They didn't get him. And so now you've got to find a way to get production out of this running back room. Who is it, though? Is it by committee? Do we see them just split up carries all season? And there is no true RB1. Does a guy like on Joiner Does he emerge? Does Mario Anderson, coming from D2, rushing for over 3,000 yards, does he fill in and turn into a surprise? I don't think Juju McDowell's quite cut out for the RB1 role, but can be a really nice player there for you. Or, Dontavius Braswell, a four-star player out of the state of Georgia, can he come in and, as a true freshman, carry the load? Just what happens in the running back room, guys? I mean, that's it. The, the big question tops the It's just running back. There are so many questions. There's not a position group on this football team that has more question marks than the Gamecocks running backs. Who steps up? Is there an SEC caliber RB1 in that room, or do you have to find a way to get production from a bunch of RB2s and RB3s and just sort of makeshift your way through the season riding the hot hand when you can find one? Another big storyline, guys. Hey, if you're going to have a productive running game or productive offense in general, you're going to have to have an offensive line to pave the way. What do you make of the offensive line? Uh, Two starters returned from last year. Jalen Nichols probably out for the year. Vershawn Lee, one of your few starters, is back. I mean, guys, outside of that, it, it, it is a makeshift group, no doubt, with a lot of question marks, okay? You add in Nick Gargiulo from the Transfer Portal at Yale. You added Sidney Fugar from Western Illinois. You added Jackson Hughes from Charlotte. You added a kid from Mercer whose name slips me right now. <clears throat> what does the offensive line give you? Because, guys, again, we'll talk about this a lot more when we get into our position unit preview series. But you return 50 less starts than you had a season ago. And, guys, that was for an offensive line that was outside of the top 100 in rushing offense. Does new blood equate to improvement up front? Also, you had some drama with your offensive line coach last year. Greg Atkins battling some off-the-field health issues. Lonnie Teasley stepped in. And guys, I thought they did a really good job with what they had. I thought they did a pretty solid job. The offensive line got better down the stretch. It wasn't a reason that South Carolina was losing football games. You're recruiting really, really well on the offensive line right now. Guys, I'd say better than you ever have. The problem is those guys are either first year on campus and aren't ready to play or their commitments and they're not in Columbia yet. What are you able to get out of that starting five and then depth? I mean, I think there are depth concerns up front, no doubt. Does New Blood equate to an improved offensive line or does South Carolina struggle to get any sort of run push and protect Spencer Rattler once again. Guys, in the big storyline, and I don't know how long we've or how how we've gone this long, I should say, without talking about South Carolina's tight end room going the 2023 football season. There was no position group that was flipped more, I think, in the offseason than the tight ends, because you lost Jaheim Bell, you lost Nate Atkins, you lost Trey Kenyon of retirement. I mean, you lost everybody, right? Shane Beamer and company said, wait, watch this. Trey Knox from Arkansas comes in. Joshua Simon from Western Kentucky. You got the Elskines kid from, I believe, Florida. That was the transfer. McKeeska comes in. I believe he's actually Florida. Elskines was the freshman. There's so many of them I can't even keep up. But you have completely revamped the tight end position. And I think a lot of us, especially after the spring game, you watch what Trey Knox did. I know he's a guy that... You know, sort of a mixed bag in Arkansas, but I think Trey Knox is primed to have the best season of his collegiate career, a guy who has not caught a touchdown pass against a Power 5 opponent since October of 2021. Joshua Simon's also a guy that, you know, you're not going to hear a lot about from the SEC talking heads, from national talking heads, but that is someone they're really high on as well. He was a really productive player for the Hilltoppers at WKU. How much of a factor is the tight end position this year? I think South Carolina, is there a chance they get even more out of the tight end position this year because people think about, okay, Stogner's gone, Bell's gone, Atkins gone. I think there's a chance the tight end position could be even more productive and be even better this season for South Carolina. Now the big storyline, guys, is the youngsters and what kind of impact can youngsters like Nicholas Harbour, Lenora Sellers, Dontavious Braswell, et cetera. What type of impact can they make this season? Guys, a lot of success, a lot of South Carolina success this season, and we're going to talk about this with defense too, but a lot of the success hinges on young players. And there's some young guys that need to step up. You know, it's funny. We were talking about this in the Big Cot Club Discord a couple of days ago. You look back at the Steve Spurrier era, and when things started to really click in 9 10, 11, You know what was a trade on those teams? You had young guys stepping up and making big-time impacts. I mean, think about 2009, guys. Stephon Gilmore was a true freshman. Alshon Jeffery was a true freshman. 2010, Marcus Lattimore was a true freshman. 2011, Beyond Clowney was a true freshman. Amongst others, by the way, those are just the headliners. So I think for South Carolina in year three, if they're going to hit that eight or nine win mark, you're going to have to have some of these young guys step up and be impact players for you. You know, Nicholas Harbor's a guy, guys, we all know about the recruiting profile and what he means to South Carolina. Getting him to sign was a huge victory for the Gamecocks back in February. How quickly can he come along at the wide receiver position? Lenora Sellers, like I mentioned at quarterback, you've got your QB1, but from what it sounds like, there are certainly going to be packages for the youngster from Florence. And then Dontavious Braswell, guys, at the running back position, as, as I just talked about. You know what would help this running back position? A guy like Dontavious Braswell, a four-star signee, a guy like him coming in and emerging and just simply being that dude. You're asking a lot, but, hey, freshmen are not built like freshmen of old anymore. It's all about guys coming in, plug and play. They're immediately helping their football teams. That can be the case here as well. Nick Carver, Lenora Sellers, Dontavius Braswell, that's just a couple, too. Bakari Swain's another. Kyla Horton's another. There are other guys, hey, on the offensive front as well, Markey Anderson, a guy on the offensive line that I would expect to play this year. A lot of young guys. South Carolina's leaning on how much of an impact can they make because I think it could go a long way in impacting South Carolina's season. And guys, finally, my top storyline, one of the top storylines, but it's arguably the top storyline because when you look at last year, And what made South Carolina successful and not successful? And Shane Beamer has talked about this on a number of occasions. Protecting the football and not turning the football over. South Carolina turned it over far too much a season ago. How much, you might ask? Guys, the Gamecocks led The SEC in turnovers last season. 25 turnovers. 12 interceptions. 13 fumbles. So a lot of it was on Spencer Rattler for sure. A lot of it was on Spencer Rattler. But a lot of it was on the entire football team. The entire offense. Could not protect the football. We all recall last year when... Goodness gracious. Marcus Satterfield said that we got to pray to the turnover gods, which, I mean, that just was another Satterfield-ism that took place in the in, 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 the, in the Tuesday press, or the, excuse me, the Wednesday press conferences, which I, I don't know that we've ever seen OC and DC press conferences followed as closely as they were last year because of what was going on on the field. Either way, you're not going to completely eliminate turnovers. They're part of football. Can you cut them in a third? Can you cut them, decrease them by a third? Can you cut them in half? Can you do that? Because turnovers and turnover margin, they cost South Carolina last year. They cost them dearly. And they will continue to cost you and cost you even more if you can't get that fixed. It doesn't matter what you have at quarterback, what you have a receiver, what you have a tight end. It doesn't matter how good your O-line is. If you can't protect the football guys, you don't have a chance. If you can't protect the football, you don't have a chance. South Carolina was the worst, the worst, In the SEC. They ranked almost 100th in turnover margin last year. And if it wasn't for an opportunistic defense and great special teams, who knows what the season may have looked like. But cutting down on turnovers, 25 last year led the SEC, 12 picks, 13 fumbles. That's got to get fixed going into 2023 football season.